and welcome to another episode of Death by Bungie. In the news this week, there is a discussion of purple paint here in Pennsylvania, and that is what this episode of Talking with Bungie is going to be all about. We're talking about trespassers. We're talking about trespassing here on Talking with Bungie. That has been a problem in the kingdom of Bungie. One of the reasons that I have been frustrated with private property hunting is trespassers, whether it's the neighbors coming through and hunting or just people from out of the area walking through and hunting without permission, or whether it is people who just can't keep their dogs under wraps. The dogs come in and eat your chickens. I can't stand that. It has been awful. Whether it's folks that allow the deer, the deer to be chased or hassled by their dogs. I don't like that. That's trespassing. That's unacceptable. Now, Bungie and I, we have our share of trespassing stories. Let me tell you what. We all have that situation where we go and we check our trail cameras. We pull the cards. We go back to the house and we're disappointed to see someone walking through our woods, the woods that we intend to hunt in, the woods that maybe it's the time of year where we are in fact, hunting in those woods. We see trespassers walking through, shamelessly walking right through our hunting area where we've chosen to pitch a trail camera. I hate the idea of someone else thinking it's acceptable to walk across the property where I or my family pay taxes in order to maintain that property, where we paid a mortgage in order to maintain that property, where we've worked hard physically using our physical labor, blood, sweat, and tears to maintain a property, to cultivate a property, to make it appropriate for our outdoor recreational activity. We do all that stuff, and someone else thinks that they can go in there and simply enjoy that. Steal from us our quiet enjoyment of that property, because that's what private property provides, quiet enjoyment. That is an American concept of private property ownership. I and my family, the people I choose to share it with, are the ones are, who are supposed to be able to quietly enjoy that property and restrict others from coming in and ruining that enjoyment. We all have those experiences where we'll pull those cards and maybe we see the neighbor's dogs. But what really upsets me is that there was one year, for example, where I went through a really bad spell and about five or six camera cards were stolen. Now, I know I don't have an awful lot to complain about there in contrast to some other folks. Other people I've talked to over the years have had even worse instances of theft where people stole the entire camera. And I get that. That's certainly worse than me just losing a mirror camera card. But when you wait all week or you wait two weeks to check your cameras and you go in there with the anticipation of seeing what's on your cameras and someone has stolen that potential from you, they've stolen those photographs from you, that's upsetting. That's upsetting. So trespassing is a very important problem to me. And I think it should be a very important problem to everyone else. Other instances of trespassing that I have suffered through over the years, I've had people, I've had people's dogs show up on trail cameras right in the middle of prime hunting times, their dogs showing up. And these aren't just wild dogs. These are dogs with collars. I've seen them come through, wandering through food plots, wandering through the edges of bedding areas where I have cameras pitched. I've had camera evidence of that. And that's upsetting. I don't want to see that at a time when I'm hoping to go out there and hunt. 
And the problem with this sort of thing is when you see, when you get a camera card picture, you get there to your food plot, you're excited about hunting, you go in there, you pull the card, you get in the blind, you're sitting over your food plot, you're waiting for deer to show up. You look at the, I take the card and I put it in my DSLR camera and I leaf through those pictures, page through those pictures quickly to see what's been frequenting that food plot. What nice deer can I get my hopes up, up about realistically seeing that day with my most recent information off of that camera card? I leaf through that and what do I see? The neighbor's dogs wandering through that food plot, sniffing around. They're not there to eat clover. They're only there for one reason, and that's to disrupt my hunting. That is why they are there. They're there to chase deer. They got no other business in that food plot. And when I see that, nothing upsets your hunt worse than that. And then let's take it a step further. The problem with trespassers are, let's think about the ones, these are just the ones that I've had on cameras. What about the ones that we don't get on camera? The ones who walk through the woods stealthily and they look ahead and when they see a camera, they go the other way or they stole my card, right? They stole the evidence, nonetheless leaving evidence that they had been there because they stole the card. Those folks that make their way through someone else's property, if they go undetected, that isn't okay because now I'm still sitting in the woods Wondering if someone else hasn't come through there recently and ruined my hunting activity. You ever gone to the woods and you know the weather is right. You know the wind is right. You know you haven't overhunted that spot. You get into that tree stand at the proper time of day without spooking deer. And you sit there and all things are lined up for this being a great afternoon, a great evening hunt. And what happens? Nothing happens. You don't see any deer. I'm left with the belief that it's entirely likely somebody walked through that property and ruined my hunting opportunity. Someone else got there first and spoiled that spot. I will never know. I don't know that that's the case, but I guarantee you it's the case some of the time. If I'm catching trespassers on trail cameras, I certainly am not catching all the trespassers on trail cameras. There are certainly more trespassers out there than what I'm catching on my cameras. To what extent does that hurt my hunting opportunity? We'll just never know. Probably the best story I can give you about trespassers. I'm just going to share this with you. I, I never have shared this before in a video, I don't think. I don't think I've ever really publicized this little experience before. But once I was down in the Maples, and those of you who are friends of Bungie who watched the YouTube videos, the Maples is a special place on the property where there's just these old maple trees. Some of them are two to 300 years old. It, some of them are so big, you need two people to put their arms around them. That's how big these trees are. But I had a nice tree stand pitched up there for years, and I did some hunting there. The, the reason my buddy Scott had come out from Arizona, for example, and killed a nice buck there one year over a decoy. And that's always inspired me to hunt over a decoy. Never had success over a decoy until this year, 2020. Can you believe that? But nonetheless, I had pitched it up. This is probably going back to about 2015, 2016, somewhere in there. And I had set up a nice tree stand, a decoy, and I was sitting down there one morning, got in nice and early and set up the decoy. And then I would call occasionally, do a doe bleat, follow it up with a buck grunt or something like that. And, uh, you know, I, I, I certainly am not, uh, I'm not an expert caller still to today, but I, and I'm certain that I was overusing the calls. There's no question about that. If anything, um, I have overused calls over the years, but I'm sitting up there and I'm having a blast, you know, just enjoying the outdoors and all this. 
I, I continued my calling and I heard some crunching down there, some breaking branches and everything else. And I thought, man, something's coming and it's big. Like this is a big deer. It's like, you know, it's got, I'm picturing these huge antlers cracking these branches off and just, you know, making up all this racket and it's marching in here and I'm going to shoot this big buck. I had this in my mind. This is the only thing that's going on. There is some big buck coming my way and he's going to come in here and inspect this decoy and I'm going to shoot this buck. That's what's going to happen. I sit patiently. I've got the crossbow positioned nicely. My heart sank when I realized it was two hunters in camouflage walking up out of the brush. They saw my decoy and they thought my decoy was real. And <laughs> I'm watching this unfold. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And I just watched them come up and they would, they were sneaking up on the decoy. They were very obviously sneaking up. They were, they were stooped over. They were taking very short steps, making way more noise than, uh, than I think they thought they were making. I thought they, I think they were probably think cause they're the decoy is 20 yards from me and they're probably 40, 50 yards below that decoy coming in and still thought the decoy was real to me. It doesn't even look like a real deer. They were coming in incidentally upwind of the decoy the wind was blowing toward me from the decoy so uh, you know if they were using their skills and thinking about which way the wind was blowing they would have realized that their scent was drifting directly toward that deer he would have smelled them if if that were the case if it was a real deer um and the fact that he wasn't moving at all i mean it should be i mean these decoys should never be confused with real deer to any human being okay but nevertheless they came within 30 yards of that decoy and they they knelt down and i was almost they knelt down there behind some trees they were it was almost like they were setting up a shot on this deer and part of me was tempted to just sit here and let them and see what happens <laughs> are they gonna take a shot you know i can just imagine what it would sound like someone shooting an arrow at this big old plastic decoy. Boy, the sound that would make, right? But I also don't want my decoy to get ruined. So I called out to him. I said, hey, you guys, that's my decoy. And they started to slowly stand up. And I'm like, you guys, you, you, you know, you mind coming up here so we can have a chat? And because I'm up in a tree stand. And <clears throat> I don't know if these people are armed or, or what's going on. They walked toward, they, one of them started, got up and started walking up toward me. And then the other one's like, hey, you know, and they and grabbed him and they turned and they slowly started walking away. I'm like, whoa, you know, you guys, you already ruined my morning hunt. The least you can do is show me the courtesy of coming up here and uh, having a conversation about this. And they just kept walking. They left, went back the way they came. And I called out to them. You guys got a lot to learn about respecting other people's property. And that's a fact. That's a fact. I hope it made an impression. And I hope sharing this story in this podcast makes an impression. If you want to protect hunting long-term, you want to have this opportunity long-term, you have to respect private property rights. You take away the private property rights and you do not have, will not have, the opportunity to hunt. Now, what's that got to do with this podcast? What was all this? these stories what does that have to do with the new law in Pennsylvania that is the subject of this podcast? Well, here it goes. 
To me, the whole point of owning private property is to exclude other people, is to keep them off your property. How do we do that? Well, as hunters, we go around and we place no trespassing signs on the border of the property. Done that, those signs generally are respected by people walking through the woods. You get a big, nice, bright yellow sign, put it up there. Uh, for what it's worth, I used to use roofing nails because they seem to hold the signs well. But I had found over the years that staples are a better choice. And the reason I say that is down the road, if I ever go to saw that tree up, use a chainsaw on that tree, I'm not going to be running into any nails and getting injured using the chainsaw. Staples, I don't think, are going to make a bit of difference. So I, you put a staple in there and that probably will rot and decay long before that tree ever sees a chainsaw. Just a little tip. Put a few staples in those things, six staples or so, with a nice long staple out of a big heavy-duty staple gun. Works just fine. But today, we Pennsylvanians have another option. We can still use those signs, but we can use purple paint to give notice of boundary lines now as well. That is something that has been added by the Pennsylvania Game Commission for them to use as a uh, notice of trespassing, notice of boundary lines. Now, when we're talking about trespassing, keep in mind, and this is always lost in this discussion, but if, if property doesn't have no trespassing signs, you still can't go walking around on that property without permission. Now, this is going to vary from one state to another and from one country to another. There are some countries where you can just wander all over the place and they don't respect private property ownership. I think that's disastrous. I think it's wrong. I think it is immoral. That's my opinion, right? But in Pennsylvania, I'm speaking purely from the basis here. You know, if I don't have a no trespassing sign on my front door, it still doesn't mean you have the right to go in my house. That's trespassing. I have no trespassing signs around my yard. You still can't go on my yard. I have every right to exclude you from my yard. And if you go on my yard without permission, technically, you're trespassing. The difference under Pennsylvania law is if there are signs, then presumably you've been given notice. If you go across where those signs are and you cross that border, now you know where the boundary lines are. Now you know that you don't have permission, and that raises the level of trespass, makes you what we might call a defiant trespasser or maybe even a criminal trespasser, depending on the circumstances. And that's where we go from merely getting a fine to maybe having the risk of probation or jail time because it's a different level of crime. So that's the kind of thing that we're talking about here. Now, if you put the signs up and you have enough of them, you are giving the people notice so they don't have permission to go on your property. The problem with the signs is they fall down, right? Those staples rot and you got to put the signs up every few years. The signs, when the sun hits them, start to lose their visibility. So people don't see them, don't read them, don't understand them. Maybe they fall down. Maybe they just aren't visible anymore. They're flapping in the wind, what have you. Over time, they are not as visible. So that creates defenses on people who might be charged with a trespassing crime because as they make their way into the property, they can always say, well, oh, this, I didn't see any signs and, oh, I see them now, but they're blown down and all that kind of thing. And I, I thought that the, this was my property, that kind of stuff. They can raise those little bogus defenses. So to protect yourself, you've got to have fresh signs. Now with purple paint, we're joining a number of other states where we can use a stripe of purple paint on a tree to show a boundary line. In addition to signs, you can do both. 
You can still just do signs, or you can use purple paint. Purple paint, essentially, you have to have an eight inch tall stripe of paint, at least one inch wide, right? So like, you know, an eight inch, the, the, it's basically a mark on a tree, a paintbrush, you take a paintbrush, whole bunch of paint and go, and then make a nice eight inch long line up and down the side of the tree on the bark. That has to be th between three feet and five feet off the ground, so it's at eye level, so to speak. But you have to do that. I would recommend if you're going to do it, ring the tree with purple paint, eight inches tall plus, and go all the way around the tree so that people from different angles can't say, well, it was a different angle or whatever else. You can use, and there are different types of paint out there, get your spray can and do it with a spray can. It's probably going to be the easiest way. Walk through the woods with a ton of spray cans and do it this way. Buy those little handles where you can put almost an air gun type handle on top of the spray can where you snap it in place and then you're pulling a big trigger. It will help your hands and you can use them left-handed or right-handed. You won't be using your finger pushing down on the nozzle the whole time. That's what I would do if I was going to do it. But you need to have them no more than 100 feet apart. Again, if you walk through the woods with a lot of different cans, you're going to be spraying multiple trees. You won't have any trouble with that. Rust-Oleum and other brands are now selling what they call hunting purple. So just like we have hunter's orange and maybe hunter's fluorescent pink in some areas, now we have hunting purple. And you, again, you can still use signs. So you can go sign, put your name and address on the sign like you're supposed to here in PA. And then on the next section of trees, do purple paint and then go back to signs and mix it up and do all that good stuff. But you got to have your, your purple paint no more than 100 feet apart on those boundary lines. A few observations about this. Remember, it is our job when we head into the woods to know the laws. So if you're new to hunting, you got to read your digest and you got to update yourself every year, every year, every season even if you are not new to hunting. You've got to make sure you're updating your knowledge of hunting laws. This is one of those instances where you might have hunted for 20, 30 years, and now you need to update your knowledge because, hey, there's a new hunting law you need to know. If you walk through the woods and see purple paint, you are on notice that someone is claiming a property interest there, a boundary line exists there that you cannot cross without permission. It's going to heighten the level of trespass if you walk across one of those areas because you've been given notice that that's not the, you're not on the property you thought you were on. Someone else is claiming a right to it. I really appreciate this because it gives you more opportunity to post your land, exclude other people. That means it's protecting private property interests. Motivation for people to maintain wildlife habitat goes down if they have to share it with everybody else. If I can't exclude people and only allow the people that I want to to benefit from that property, why would I invest the time and energy into that property? It doesn't make sense. So this is pretty important. However, I see a few other instances where there's gonna be some confusion here. There's gonna be some problems with this new law. And I'm not sure I fully support the way this was implemented. First of all, it excludes Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. Now I get that. Property sizes in those areas are so much smaller that you'd have purple trees everywhere, but you're going to have signs everywhere anyway. So I'm not sure that excluding that was necessary or appropriate, but keep that in mind. If you're in Philadelphia County, or if you're in Pittsburgh, the county that contains Pittsburgh, this law will not apply. The next concern that I have is, 
What if you end up painting the wrong trees? What if you always thought the boundary was in one particular spot and you go through and you paint all those trees? Now you're in a fight with a landowner when he sees the trees. And when you find out the boundary was not where you thought the boundary was, it's actually off from that. Now you've painted the wrong trees. It's hard to remove that paint. Maybe you can paint over it with brown or something, I guess. But that's something I see happening from time to time. I just encourage you to go out there and talk to your neighbors so they know where the boundary line is so that you only end up putting boundaries where you're agreed upon. And if you can't agree, resolve that difference. Maybe you go to lawyers, maybe you don't. But you need to be comfortable with where those boundaries are before you go spray painting all these trees. The last concern that I have, and this one really does bother me, is that they made an exception for people to go in and retrieve hunting dogs for this, from this purple paint law. In other words, you can cross the line and go in and retrieve a hunting dog if it's over the line, if you're going in there solely for the purpose of retrieving a hunting dog. And I know exactly where this is going and you know exactly where this is going, is that every time you're trespassing, you're just going there for the purpose of retrieving a hunting dog. In other words, when you're confronted with a landowner, every person who's violating this law, every dirtbag who can't respect private property is gonna be on someone else's property. He's gonna say, oh, have you seen my dog? I was just looking for my dog. You know, that's what they're gonna do. That, they have built in a crooked defense for every person who wants to go and trespass. And I don't think that was a good move. I get that we want to protect hunting with dogs, whether it's coon hounds, that sort of thing. I totally get that. But this is the wrong way to go about that. Dogs can be trespassers. Your dog needs to stay on property where you have permission to have that dog. It needs to stay on your property. If you can't accommodate that, and that's in your manner of hunting, then you just shouldn't be doing that manner of hunting. That's just how it is. You should only be on giant state game lands where that dog will not roam off of your state game lands, if that's what you choose to do. This is not a positive thing for private property, for private property rights, when you are giving people this defense. In the same law, the same law that's designed to protect private property. I really hope they rethink this and remove that before we get into all kinds of problems we didn't have before. That's all I have for you on this episode, this short episode of Talking with Bungie. I do want to keep these podcast episodes a little shorter so they are easier for folks to listen to, but I really do appreciate all the positive feedback I've received from you friends of Bungie who are downloading these podcasts. Thank you very much for listening. Leave me your feedback. Do you think this is a good law or a bad law? Leave me your feedback on deathbybungie.com. You can use the email contact form there, or you can leave me a voicemail off of that website as well. Make sure you subscribe to the Death by Bungie newsletter on deathbybungie.com. It's free. You can cancel it at any time, but it'll give you an email from time to time about all the interesting things going on in the kingdom of Bungie. Until next time, all hail Bungie! Bungie. <laughs>